It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the only podcast that breaks down every Heat game, news item, rumor, and more. Thanks for subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on Himalaya. My name is Wes Goldberg, and I'm here with David Ramil. And we're joined now by Matt Moore, who covers the NBA for the Action Network. Check out his writing and analysis over at actionnetwork.com. Matt, thanks for joining us. And I'll be honest, uh, it was David's idea to have you on because he wanted to ask you about one of your several tweets. And David, I'll I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, it was just one of those things that kind of came out of the blue, out of nowhere. You know, as Matt often does, he just starts, you know, putting out random thoughts that really kind of drive home several points at once. And then out of the blue, one of the, the tweets was about the Miami Heat. It said, boy, is the Miami Heat roster weird. And I was just kind of taken back by it. And I understand that maybe some people might think so. Uh, Wes, you might be one of those people that think so. I do. But I, I, did not, uh, I did not think the Heat roster was weird necessarily. But Matt, I wanted you to have your opportunity to explain exactly why you think the Heat roster is so strange. This is an interrogation, not an interview. Yeah. So I always think it's funny. Um, this reminds me, actually, I'm not going to name drop here, but uh, an NBA coach, I was doing power rankings at CBS several years ago, and I described a team as weird. I was like, this team is just weird. It's so weird. Like, here's this lineup that they use. Again, weird. And that was my only comment on the power rankings. <laughs> and the coach was like, the fuck does that mean? <laughs> And, and I was like, it is. It's weird. You're doing a bunch of weird stuff, which is funny because a lot of what he was doing is actually now commonplace with small ball and stuff like that. Um, but I was like, it's not bad. You're a good team. You're you're going to be a really good team. They were struggling a little bit at the time. I was like, but your roster's weird. It's just like the whole team and the whole way you do things is weird. This guy's a forward that's like a stretch guide, but also not great from the perimeter. It's all weird. And like, it's the same thing, kind of thing when I looked at the heat roster. So what happened was I was doing over unders. Um, I did my first impression on the over unders and I was like, okay, I'm going to have to actually dig in here and figure out like what exactly the heat did and where they are at. Um, and so I, when I just started looking at the moves that they made, um, which obviously the biggest one being Jimmy Butler, it's like Jimmy's team, and you can go down the line and you can be like, okay, you know, uh, Dragic is going to start at the point and, um, you know, Jimmy can play two or three and uh, Winslow can play the other wing spot or Dion Waiters can. You can slide um, somebody down if you want to go that route. And then, like, Bam is obviously, like, a great five. Like, he's awesome. I've been – like, every time I watch anything with Bam, I'm just like, God, he's really good. Um, and, and then there's, like, Kelly who you can slide in like a fourth – but there, I feel like they're just this random amalgam of parts, right? Where it's like, what's Dragic? Well, he's like a zippy kind of firebug guard. Okay, does that really work with Jimmy Butler? No, but like he can work. It's like, all right, uh, what's Kelly Olynyk? Well, he's like a stretch four, really good screener, underrated defender. 
um, can make some really smart passes from the pinch post. Does that really work with with uh, Dragic or Butler? No, not necessarily. As like Justice Winslow, it's like, well, he shot better last year, and there's a lot of trends there. But the synergy numbers say that overall he was really inefficient, um, and like he might be a really good developing combo forward. But we don't know. Like, there's to me when I looked at the roster, when I went, like, I was, I'm sitting there on early bird rights, which is my preferred um, salary cap checker. Shout out Jeff Siegel. Shout out Jeff Siegel for the amazing work that he does. Um, I was just like, God, they have all of these different skill sets and parts, and that's not a bad thing. It's just that I can't really look at their roster and envision like, oh, this is like how it's gonna function. Like, oh, this makes a lot of intuitive sense. Now, I will also add the extreme caveat that um, as much as I'm defensive of my ability and, like, how much I try and keep up with everybody in the league, there are always teams that are just kind of, like, slide out of your purview when you're trying to focus on other ones. And, like, you sometimes late in the year, I spend more time on the bad teams trying to figure out, like, all right, what do they have? Is there anything good here than, like, the middling team? And the Heat were definitely a team that, like, for a lot of last year, I was like – I don't know if I can watch this. I just don't. They're not bad. They're not terrible. <laughs> like, they're not a bad team. It's just like, I don't really know what to gain here. Like, I can't see them being great. I can't see them being terrible. I feel like they're just like the automated team generated by a video game. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really intrigued with what happens, but a lot of it's that Jimmy's such this, Jimmy's such a colossal you know, asteroid that when it hits your planet, everything changes for good and bad. Um, that I'm still kind of trying to figure out what's a team that you build around Jimmy Butler. How do you build a team around Jimmy Butler? And I feel like the Heat were in a, were in as good a position as anybody to add him because like they have all these parts. So it's like, well, we can do this and we can do that. And we can do this. I'm still just trying to understand exactly what that means. Well, that's a lot to unpack there. So. I guess I'll just kind of start off on a couple of things, but one, like right off the bat, do you think the move to acquire Butler in exchange for Josh? Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) You, are we just going to skip over like what you thought of the tweet, David? Because here's your chance. We have Matt right here. Did you think that, were you like the anonymous NBA coach that Matt wouldn't name where you, you saw weird and you were like, what the hell was like, did you take that as a bad thing? Because I took weird as weird. Weird is weird. I don't like you look up and down other rosters across the league. You're like, I understand exactly how this works. What exactly this eight, nine, ten man rotation is probably going to look like, and how the pieces sort of fit together here for Miami. We we study this team on a daily basis, and I can't I can't tell you in good faith that I have any idea what this thing's going to look like in I, December. I mean, I think weird just seems like it's so generalized. Like, I mean, you can use that to apply to any team. To be honest with you, no matter how much sense it might make as far as parts and who plays what position, et cetera. I still think that you can make a strong case that maybe some teams have some kind of weird streak to them one way or the other. They have to have some kind of strange lineups that they throw out to every once in a while to throw off opposing But did you take it as a negative? I mean, I found it peculiar. It, it just seemed, again, you know, knowing Matt, obviously he has a good grip on every team. But for the most part, as he just said, but I think he has a good understanding of what Miami's trying to do. And to say weird just kind of seems all encapsulating. It was a little bit too much for me, and I was just kind of mm. curious about it, to be honest with well, you. Not, and I don't think it's negative more than anything. I just think it's a little peculiar, you know, to look at this roster because I mean, you do hit on a couple of things there, and it's like you know, you're right off the bat. 
I think a, a sticking point for a lot of our listeners and fans in general would be that you automatically assume Goran Dragic is going to be the starter alongside Jimmy Butler, and I'm not sure that's the case. Right. So, like, I mean, that's a good example of, like, a thing where, like, I don't know if Dragic is going to be there. I don't even know who's going to be on the roster. I don't know if he's going to get traded. Like, if he, if he gets – and that's a move where, like, they could make a trade, and then conceptually there could be, like, shifts that would make the roster maybe, like – Oh, okay. Like that—that that brings the room together. I use that phrase from Lebowski too much, but like it's kind of how I think of things sometimes. Like there are players that's just like, oh, like he, like you mentioned, there are a lot of teams that are weird. Here's an example. You're right in that, like, okay, take Nikola Jokic off the Nuggets, and you're like, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> right. you got two undersized guards, and Murray's a gunner, and an oversized and Jokic an undersized aging power forward and michael porter jr like what is this but you put nikola Jokic in you're like okay like it's a solar system and everything revolves around him okay um and with the heat i think i I got a lot of pushback on that tweet like you weren't the only one i got a lot of pushback from like this is i got a lot of this is a bad take which nothing irritates me more than that phrase (laughs) but like this is a bad take the roster makes more sense than it has in a while and i was like well okay um, I think it's largely a subjective thing, but I, I hear kind of what you're saying. Um, I guess, like, I would love to take this opportunity as I'm on with you, two fine gentlemen. And I'm sure you've done this in an episode that I haven't gotten to because I'm constantly trying to catch up on all the great podcasts on the Lockdown Network. Nice. What, um, what exactly is, in your opinion, what's going to be the starting lineup on opening night? We disagree on this, so I'll let David go first. Uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be just a starting at the point guard alongside Deion Waiters and Jimmy Butler. And then I would actually plug in James Johnson and Bam Adebayo at the four and five spot. I think oh, there's a bounce back for James Johnson waiting to happen. And I understand that's not necessarily spacing the floor as well as Olenek does, but I still think that I still have faith in Johnson's skill set and his ability to kind of wreak havoc and make plays. And we have talked about this before, and David, I just that means Dragic is coming off the bench, not that Dragic had been traded, right? Or yes, not, correct. Or at least not yet traded. Okay. That's exactly right, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think it's what you said earlier, Matt. I think it's going to be Goran Dragic, Jimmy Butler, Justice Winslow, Kelly Olenek, Bam Adebayo, and you'll have Dion Waiters as your backup point guard, basically. Um, Tyler Hero will get some minutes off the bench. James Johnson will get several minutes off the bench, and... Uh, I think you could see lineups where Kelly Olynyk is basically the backup center. And it does seem like Myers Leonard is going to play a prominent role in the rotation, at least based on what the Heat, who the Heat are putting on their social media all the time. And I think that stuff what? does matter, you know, because we, we remember back in uh, Josh Richardson's rookie year, and David, you pointed this out pretty astutely, like they're selling Josh Richardson jerseys at the team's store, and he's a second-round pick out of Tennessee. Why are you selling Josh Richardson jerseys? And he played a major part as a rookie in that rotation, especially later in the season. So I think that kind of stuff matters. But um, I don't. I we'll see how long the Myers Leonard experiment goes. Because if there's one thing the Heat like, it's guys who could play defense, and uh, that's not him very much at all. But we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I think like um, I mean the, the justice at point thing I know has been coming. Um, for a while, like I heard about that a lot last year, and like obviously, like he averaged nearly as many assists as, as Dragic did. Um, there's, a, I think, there's a capacity there, especially with how much Butler kind of has the ball and is good. Butler's also such an extremely good playmaker. Um, it's mm-hmm. my favorite part of his game. That that makes a lot of sense. That you're just like, all right, we're gonna have a bunch of pretty good playmakers and one really good one who's also like a super weapon. Um, and you know, Bam is Bam, and and we'll kind of fill in from there. 
Um, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of mouths to feed with a Justice uh, Dion Jimmy lineup. Like that's just like a that's a lot of that, that's a lot of usage to try and break up and then you know figure out what scraps the 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 front court gets. Um, I think it's interesting though. I think you know a lot of it is one of the reasons that I'm very middle ground on the Heat is even though they don't necessarily make a lot of sense to me and I'm not necessarily crazy about like, oh, they could be, ex- they could be awesome. Uh, I am very much like, man, you go down the, the roster and you're just like, that's an NBA player. That's an NBA player. They're like uh, their top eight rotation is essentially like seven definite NBA talent guys. And then Myers Leonard, who is like a coin flip. So um, like, they're going to be good. I think a lot of it is, I mean, and look, I, I think this is a good opportunity to see how, like, what does Spo do? Like, does Spo get outside the box with an opportunity with Jimmy Butler to actually make some noise, or does he go back to more of the same kind of concepts that have been so kind of ingrained in the Heat throughout the years, um, or is it a mix of the two? Because like, Spo's shown in the past with the Big Three era to be very flexible in terms of figuring out solutions to problems, and he's thrown out some crazy lineups at times through the years. Um, and the question is like, does that override? Stuff like, well, Dragic is a veteran. He's been around forever, and he's making, you know, nineteen point two million dollars. And there's politics that go into that. Does that really like? I think getting Dragic to come off the bench is going to be a toughie. I think that's a, I think that's a tough thing to do to an NBA veteran um, that has been around as long as he has. We're gonna take a break here and keep talking to Matt Moore. You're listening to Locked On Heat. Support of Locked On Heat comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% at manscaped.com with the promo code LOCKEDON. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You know, it's funny, like, I actually admire their entire branding concept because they're just like, yeah, no, like, we're going to take care of your stuff. Like, we're, we're going to take care of your bits. Like, that's uh, what we're going to do. The visuals on the website are interesting. They have diagrams <laughs> yeah, and I, such things. I like, I, I like the openness. I think I am, I'm impressed with Manscaped's you know entire... Sometimes you need instructions. <laughs> Ikea, bring, Ikea has them. Why not everything else? I don't know. <laughs> so, so speaking of trimming, then let me get back to my earlier question. The exchange for just for Josh Richardson for Jimmy Butler. What's your take on that? Like, I, I you know our opinion obviously is that the Heat lacked a, a clear superstar go-to player, go-to scorer, and and Josh, as nice a player as he is, seems like he's better equipped for being you know a, a kind of tertiary role there. Um, you know, not necessarily your go-to player, and that was often how he was miscast last season. So you know, he's a young player. Obviously, he's he's making a lot less money than Jimmy is, et cetera. But What's your overall feeling on on the Jimmy for Josh swipe? I think it was uh, good for both sides in that you know the Sixers get back something of value for losing a marquee star that they had traded considerable assets for. So 
uh, the good return for them. I think Richardson's uh, a, a really good player. I've liked him. I like the guys that are low maintenance. I like the guys that are malleable. I like the guys that are efficient in terms of like what they're able to do and, and not needing a whole lot to, to get there. Um, at the same time, like Butler's obviously an upgrade and I get that. I think at some point Miami, because there was no grand plan, there was not a, and we'll see what they do. They may, you know, go guns out blazing for 2021. You never know, but uh, there was no like big plan to make a run like in 2010. So it's like, all right, where's the franchise going? We don't, we haven't drafted a franchise superstar. We're probably not going to draft a franchise superstar for as long as Pat Riley is running the team. Cause he's never going to suffer through a tanking season. Um, so what do we do? And it's like Butler was the compromised goods superstar that was available on the market. Like he was the guy that you could get because you know, one, he wanted to play there. Like it was, his, you know, he was in free agency and he chose the heat and had to make that happen and decided to go to Miami based off of the incredible work Dwayne Wade did in selling him on the vision, et cetera. Um, but there's also kind of the matter of like, there's a lot of executives that I've talked to that they're, they, they themselves are because they have other players that they are building around. They're like, mm, we're good on Jimmy Butler. We're, we're good. So it's a question I've continually asked. Like he, you know, he, he made a ruckus in Chicago. And when he was traded from Chicago, everybody's like, God, the Bulls again, just such idiots. Jimmy's so great. Why would you do this? So dumb. And then he gets to Minnesota and you start to hear like, there's a little bit of a problem there. Um, some of the stuff in Chicago wasn't exactly all their fault. And then the whole thing with Minnesota blows up. And yet the narrative continues to be like, oh, Minnesota, they're just such a train wreck and Tibbs and the ownership's terrible. And look at this and how bad. And they screwed up this whole thing. So it goes to Philadelphia and then, like, within two months of being in Philadelphia, we've got reports coming out that he's having confrontations with Brett Brown in the middle of a season in which they're very much in the race for a top two seed in the Eastern Conference. Like, I've continuously asked, like, what is it that Jimmy Butler wants? Like, that's been the going question about all the guys that moved this summer. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, on down the list. It's like, what is it you guys, these guys want? Um, and I think Butler wanted his own team, which the Heat afford. And the Heat may be in better position to handle the maelstrom that comes with Butler. Mm-hmm based off of their cultural strength and identity. So um, I think it was a good move for the Heat. I think that they gave up appropriate value to get a star. I think that it was a, a smart move to transition. My big question is, like, can they pull off something else to get themselves back into being a serious threat in the East? Can they, can they do something else here, given what they've given up already in trade assets, can they do something else to put them in that conversation? Because right now I'm very much like they're they're just kind of like the bulls of Butler, where it's like, oh yeah, they're they're gonna be a pain, but that's about it. Well, is better coach. is Chris is Chris Paul a viable option to improve this team? Like, give me a con- contract notwithstanding and whatever it is that you have to give up in order to acquire him or take back, you know, as the rumors are. I mean, is Chris Paul, does he kind of assuage some of your feelings as far as the weirdness of this roster? Yeah, I mean, like, Chris Paul makes, I think a lot of it makes sense, where it's like, okay, Chris Axon in a secondary playmaker role sets the offense, and Butler becomes more of the tip of the spear, only with better playmaking abilities than most of those guys. Like, Jimmy Butler is a legitimately better playmaker than Kawhi Leonard. He is a a legitimately better passer than Kawhi Leonard is, and that, I think, is, is, should not be overlooked, but... You know, Paul's a guy that can come up and, and set the offense. And Drogic can do this, too. 
I have, you know, Justice, I think that it's a longer, he's still young and it takes a couple of years to learn how to do that. Um, but you kind of get things organized. And then Paul can also shoot off ball and supplement things that way. They'd be great defensively, better than they would be with Dragic. Um, I think that there's real upside there, uh, depending on what they'd have to give up, obviously. I, I If they got Chris Paul, I would suddenly be like, okay, this is probably the three or four seed in the Eastern Conference. Like they're on the level with Indiana where if they catch the right team at the right time, they can make an Eastern Conference finals. And that's a pretty good run for for I think where this team is at. Like I, Chris Paul would definitely change my opinion of them, but I remain very high on Chris Paul as opposed to a lot of people who I think are, are forecasting out his early demise. They're, the Heat are in an interesting place right now, because we, and we've been talking about this, but you you bring in Jimmy Butler, who is 29, going to be 30, and he is the future of the team, right? And he's a guy, he is in his prime, but we don't know how much longer that prime is going to be. And you look up and down this roster, and there are a lot of young guys, and they, they're not so much the future of the team, because the way that this team needs to be built going forward is around Jimmy Butler, not around Bam Adebayo or Tyler Hero or, these, or Justice or these other guys. So... You know, Chris Paul, maybe that's a good fit. That doesn't make the Heat a title contender. I don't think anybody would say that. I think you're right. It would make them three, fourth seed in the East and, you know, an opportunistic type of team, but not a title contender. How do you think the Heat should be building around Jimmy Butler? Because to me, that's the number one question. We've heard the Chris Paul name thrown out there. We've heard the Bradley Beal name thrown out there. We don't need to get into that if you don't want to, unless you have a hot take that you want to put out there. But, um, Building around Jimmy Butler in the generic sense, what does that look like as far as what does a title team look like with Jimmy Butler on it? Oh boy, um, Philadelphia. Um, but we saw that didn't work, right? Philadelphia, that didn't like what that's. I think that's the int- that's a really interesting question when it comes to Jimmy Butler. Is Philly had all the talent, they weren't quite there, they were close, they weren't quite there. We've seen Minnesota, we've seen Chicago, just not quite there. What does a title team? Like, this is a thought process. I think if you're the Heat's front office, you have to have. This is a thought exercise you have to perform. Yeah, and I think um, – so, like, for example, I mean, one of the kind of telling things about this is uh, I was relatively low on the Sixers all year last year. I took the under, which it hit. Um, I bet against them in the second round uh, versus the Raptors, which obviously hit. It took longer than I thought it would. Um, but this year I'm actually I'm, – I think the Sixers finished with the top record in the Eastern Conference – which they just gave up Jimmy Butler. Yeah. So that seems a little crazy, but it's no, not I agree with you. to me. To me, like they built more around Joel Embiid. Like they yeah. said, Joel Embiid's our best player. We're going to build around Joel Embiid. And, you know, maybe if Jimmy had wanted to come back, that dynamic shifts and like, no, we're building around both these guys, but he didn't. And so I like them having like a focus and kind of building around Embiid more uh, in that capacity. I think with Butler, um, it's interesting because it's like, do you need a high-level point guard in order to get him the ball? No, because like he can run point a little bit. I think what you probably need is like you need uh, to me. It's about internal development. Like you need Bam to be to like make a leap. Like you need like a big leap from Bam. Um, what for, does that constitute though? Because I mean, I mean, he's pretty versatile, but he's kind of limited as far as his offense is concerned. And yeah, he seems very gun shy to even take you know, too many. Attempts. He averaged like less than five attempts per game, so I mean, it's not, not particularly good. Right. I mean, that's kind of the issue. Is like, you know, he averaged eight point nine points per game, and you need him to you need him to make like a nine point jump in points per game, and that's like a very archaic. Um, number to use but the reason I, I reference it is like you just need the production like you just, right. you need somebody to force the issue down low and um 
you know, maybe with time he can get there and maybe that's something that he can develop. But if he can't, I think you need a big man for him to work off of. You need somebody that's not quite as good as Joel Embiid, but is almost as good as Joel Embiid. Mm. Um, like here's a name actually that I would look at a lot is no kidding. I would look at Andre Drummond. Um, I would look at Andre Drummond and think about what does an Andre Drummond, Jimmy Butler combination look like if Jimmy Butler can handle Drummond's occasional uh, escapades into the great cosmic unknown. Like if, because that's one of the issues with this, right? Like there's a bunch of problems with Butler when you talk about, when you ask guys in the league about him, it's not like narrowed down to one thing. It's look, I, I, I can get over him being a tough personality, but he's a player that played under Tibbs for like six years and he's over 30. That's a warning sign. And he has a trouble getting along with coaches and teammates. Uh, and he's got, uh, all of these things where he kind of like floats a little bit and then turns it on and you're you're always wondering about your consistent stuff like there's all it's a combination of those things that I think makes it difficult but I do think like you need like a big man to really pair next to him now, look if Carl Anthony Towns comes available you give up everything you just you give up everything like whatever is left in the cupboard you go get Carl Anthony Towns well no let me say a player Carl Anthony Towns is stature because you can't put Carl Anthony Towns and Butler back together Right. Right. Like, We've seen that. But, happen. Yeah. But a player of Carl Anthony Towns, stature. And I don't know who that is, but like, that's what you're really looking for. I don't think you need a dominant point guard. I just said that Chris Paul would help them, which I think he does, but I don't think you need like an elite level point guard. Um, I think that you probably need a big man for him to play off of that can help, you know, protect at the rim. You give him like a rim protecting big man. And it's going to be pretty scary. I think with what they can do defensively, if he can finish on offensive putbacks and dunks at the rim, et cetera, um, and have a, a point guard that can lob, there are things that you can do. The trick with Butler is it's always kind of like, he doesn't leave you with a weakness that you're like, we have to account for this because Jimmy's so good in so many areas that there's not really one. Um, I'm just not quite certain what it is that the combination needs to be. And I think that one of the biggest things is like, you got to have guys that he's really into that are also good. And I don't know what that list looks like because it seems a little impossible to figure to me. And then how long does he want to be the man, right? Because he had an opportunity from the reports that we're hearing, had an opportunity to go to the Clippers and, and team up with Kawhi Leonard instead of, you know, the in, in that Paul George spot. He could have done that. And he said, no, I want to do it. I want to do my thing in Miami and see what that looks like. Because the way I look at building around Jimmy Butler is he's a top 13 NBA player. You probably need, if you're looking at the title contenders around the league, you probably need a top seven player, top seven or eight player, and a top 15 to 20 player. So the Heat are missing that top seven or eight player. It's hard to go get that player. But even if they were to get that player, how does Jimmy Butler react to that? And that is a thing that matters. That is a thing that definitely matters. And that's why I think people keep throwing out the Bradley Beal name, because not only is he a top 20 NBA player, but he's also young. And I think people think that he has a high ceiling. Now, I wouldn't put his ceiling quite that high. But that's why we keep hearing that name being thrown around. And I think the fit matches well, too. Beal helps space the floor. He could be your secondary ball handler, while Jimmy Butler can be your primary guy. And that just seems to work. Two guys on the perimeter like that seems to work. But I actually like the big man idea, too. And I do wonder. And that's probably why the Heat have been so reluctant to part with Bam Adebayo in any sort of trade conversations. They weren't willing to throw Bam in a Russell Westbrook trade. From what we understand, they're not willing to throw Bam in a Chris Paul trade if that were to ever materialize. So... Uh, maybe that's why they're so high on him because they see that two-five partnership or whatever Jimmy Butler ends up being that perimeter big man partnership as being maybe the core of this thing going forward. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned uh, the kind of the top fifteen player and the top whatever player, uh, top fifteen and thirty. I just did on Action Network. I just posted an article that 
I looked back at the top 20 teams in basketball references SRS, uh, which you guys know, but for the listeners, like uh, it factors point differential versus strength of schedule. So mm. it's not a perfect encapsulation of like the best teams that we've seen in the regular season, but it's like a good roadmap to start looking at teams that did really well versus high competition. And the pattern that emerged was a top five MVP candidate flanked by another guy that could be – it was good enough to be MVP level that chose to take a lesser role. So you had um, you had Kareem and Oscar Robertson, and you had um, – you look in the, and you've got obviously Jordan and Pippen. And you've got Curry with Clay Thompson and Draymond Green who kind of combined into that secondary role. And then obviously when Durant joined, it was Durant and Curry was willing to take that step back. And you have this pattern repeating over and over again where it's one guy with wind shares that are above 15 and another guy with wind shares that are above 10. And if you get to that kind of combination, you have like the basis for a championship level team. So the question is, um, I think Bradley Beal can get you 10 plus wind shares. I think he can give you the contribution and be effective enough player to get you there. My question is, can Jimmy Butler get you to 15 plus? Like, is he good enough to be at that level? Right. Is that how good he can be? Uh, and I don't know the answer to that. I think he's one of the best wings in the league. But we've gone on a roller coaster with Butler where it was like he was um, – with him and Paul George, You, it was like, oh, yeah, like those two are comparable, but Butler's clearly better. And then it was Paul George is clearly better. And then it was Butler's clearly get better. And then last year it was, oh, no, Paul George is definitely better. Mm-hmm. No question. Um but Butler's never had a season where he posted over 15 win shares. His highest was 13.8 in 2016-17 with the Bulls. So it's like that's what you need Butler to get to, and you need him to get there after age 30. Uh, right. And that's kind of the question. And that's why, like, probably look, I don't think it's bad if the Heat are just like a noisemaker in the Eastern Conference these last couple of years. Have one season where it's like the Blazers this year, where they make a special run and they knock off the one seed and they make the Eastern Conference Finals and they lose to a better team, but everybody's just like, oh, what a good run. And then like Riley can maybe exit on that. And maybe you can transition to doing something a little bit more long term in terms of pursuit of a championship. But um, to be honest, I don't see any scenario in which Jimmy Butler wins a championship with the Miami Heat, barring a trade for Jimmy Butler or for uh, James Harden or um, right. like if Giannis. the Clippers blew up maybe or like Steph Curry wanted out of <laughs> Golden State. Like that's the level of guy that you yeah. need because you need somebody that Jimmy Butler can look at and go, he's better than me. And I think that that list is real small. Well, the Paul George name was good because – and. He took a leap that I'm not sure a lot of people expected him to take, too. He kind of took this middle-of-his-prime type of leap. But even his leap wasn't into that, okay, he could be the best player on a championship team, right? He needs well, to be with Kawhi. So, well, I mean, I would say he was third in MVP voting this season, and rightfully so. Yes. And clearly. that for a large chunk of the season, Paul George was the best player in the National Basketball Association. Good. Like. For a, for a healthy chunk of this year, I think that Paul George was at least deserving of that title, even if you wanted to argue Harden or Giannis throughout the year. Like, ultimately, I said Giannis and then Harden and then PG. But George was at MVP level. And I, I'm of the opinion that you can win a title uh, if you have an MVP top five candidate. Like, you have to figure out how, but those guys are good. <laughs> No matter how different the playoffs are from the regular season, they're not so different as that you can't figure out the right combination to put around those guys to win. So I like I think Paul George with going to Kawhi, 
is more of a sign of his willingness to compromise on the things that some guys overvalue in terms of I got to be the man, I want to be the guy, I got to have the ball. Like Paul George is just like I'm going to get mine and I'm going to be good and we're going to win games and I'm going to live in LA and I'm going to be happy and like that's what Paul George has been in pursuit of uh, and I've got a lot of respect for that. We've got a lightning round with Matt Moore coming up next. You're listening to Locked On Heat. Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. It's a long history, people. It's a lot of socks. Plus, for every Bombas purchase, they donate a pair of someone in need. Find out more about what feet daydream about at bombas.com slash locked today and get 20% off at bombas.com slash locked. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Remember to listen to and subscribe to new and archived episodes of Locked On Heat on Himalaya, as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Okay, Matt, time for a lightning round of takes. I don't want you to think at all. just want you to answer. You could be right. You could be wrong, even to yourself. It doesn't matter. It's just entertainment purposes only. Top five weirdest teams in the NBA. Go. Uh, the Miami Heat, the <laughs> Phoenix Suns that feature a lot of former Miami Heat players. Um, and executives. The, the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, um, the Cleveland Cavaliers, <laughs> and the Orlando Magic. That's a good one. Is Spo a better coach than Brad Stevens? Yes. Dwayne Wade is the blank best shooting guard of all time. Second. This is why we have him on the show. (laughs) Where do the Heat rank in the East next season on your confidence scale? Confidence scale, not end of the season, just how confident you are on a night-to-night basis that they can win a game. Ooh. Uh, um, I have actual numbers on this, which is the problem. Like, I don't want to be like, oh, they're Um, I would say that they are... Seventh. Okay, uh, I'll try to name the top six. Then it's going to be—I don't know if you have your scale in front of you, your confidence scale numbers, but uh, Philadelphia, I would imagine, and Milwaukee, probably mm-hmm. Toronto, Indiana. Yep. Uh, Boston. Yeah, I guess Boston and Brooklyn. Are you high on Brooklyn? Yeah, I'm—I have the the Nets and Heat at the same number of wins for next season. Forty-two and a half. 44. 44. Ooh, over the Vegas over-under. You heard it here, guys. That's Matt Moore with the Action Network telling you to take the over. Um, David, any any comments on, on Matt's answers there? Uh, second behind Jordan, I guess. I mean, and above Kobe and yes. above Jerry West. So that's impressive, yeah. Um, you know, this, this Spo over Brad Stevens things, that's it's, – it's interesting because, you know, I mean, obviously there were some uh, – some heat from Dan Dackage recently about uh, Brad Ooh. Stevens being, a, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, about Spolster being a top five coach, even a top ten coach in the league, and you know how much of his success is tied to LeBron James. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that somebody other than Weston, I think he's a he's a top coach in the league. Or you're pandering. Um, 
Matt could be pandering. No, like I, I was on this back when they were when everybody was talking about Stevens as like a top five coach in the league now, and I was like, guys, there are got there are coaches that are active that have won multiple titles, and like it's great that you could take a scrappy group of underdogs and get them to win forty seven games in the Eastern Conference. Congratulations, but. Eric Spolstra managed one of the most complex combination of superstar egos in history, built the only rock solid culture that did not get absolutely shook to pieces by LeBron, adapted to the modern uh, small ball style way before anybody else did, toppled one of the best teams that we've ever seen in one of the best finals we've ever seen in the San Antonio Spurs in 2013, took out the Thunder when they were on their rise, beat the Celtics and basically ended the big three era and kept the Indiana Pacers, who were really good and underrated in that 13 and 14 seasons, at bay at arm's length. Eric Spolster has always been great on both ends of the court. His offense doesn't suffer, unlike some people outside of their blessed ATOs. Eric Spolster (laughs) deserves way more credit as a top three coach in the NBA. We are saving that rant, and I'm just going to play that every time somebody asks me this question. I'm just going to take that, and I'm just going to throw that at them and say, this is why, because I have been saying the same thing for years. Brad Stevens is a really good college basketball coach, and if as long as he's co- coaching college basketball teams in the NBA, he's just fine. He hasn't proven to I coach think- an NBA team yet. Well, I think he'll be I think he'll learn from last year. Yes, I think he'll be I think he's going to be a really good coach. I think last year was the well, think of it. Last year was the first time that Brad really had a bad season. Mm-hmm. Like coaches have bad seasons. Spose had bad ones. Like there's been co- seasons where I've been like, what are you doing? Um, everything involving Hassan Whiteside mostly has been like, what? Mm-hmm. Um, but. He's also had really great ones. And so like, this is the first time that Stevens has had some bad, a real bad season. And so he's got an opportunity to learn from it, maybe get better. And with a different kind of superstar, I think that he'll definitely, I think he'll probably be better. I think he's better suited for those scrappy teams that are up and coming. But I do think that in time, he can definitely learn if he gets the right superstar. I just think Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward and Al Horford, as good as he made Horford, I think that it was the wrong combination for Stevens to get the most versus Spo has gotten the most out of dreg teams and middling teams and pretty good teams and superstar teams like Spo's done it all. And I think that that deserves to be mentioned in the conversation. We still get plenty of heat from our listeners or fans or people on Twitter about Hassan Whiteside because we've been critical and I think pretty fair about it, you know, to be honest with you. And uh, we still get a lot of heat from people who are very supportive of Hassan Whiteside and think that Spolstra kind of mismanaged, you know, how Hassan played and didn't go to him enough, et cetera. So I know you've got some opinions about Whiteside, if you don't mind sharing those for our listeners. Yeah, I mean, so here's one of the things is um, I don't remember if it was last year or the year before. I think it was the year before. I actually wrote a thing about how I thought Whiteside deserved some consideration for most improved because he'd really – I remember that. I've been constantly like – I've been constantly like hammering like the the defense falls off a cliff with Whiteside. The defense falls off a cliff with, like this matters. You can't have your big man rim protector and your defense falls off a cliff. This cannot be how it works. Hashtag Lamarcus Aldridge. But like I think he got legitimately better. But I think by that point the well had been poisoned. And I think by that point like Spo really realized that he could be. I mean part of it's just like I think Kelly Olynyk is a guy that. Spo wants to play because he makes the right moves and he doesn't do dumb things and he plays the right way and he's coachable and he's not a pain in the ass. And like if you're all of these things and you're better in practice, it's going to be hard for you. Um, I think I tried to explain to Portland fans. I was like, mm-hmm. there's um, I was like trying to explain to Portland fans. I was like, you're going to have one good day with him and you're going to think he's awesome. And then you're going to have like three days where everything's really bad. 
and that was for the heat that was that was for four years and so we're very happy that that's over <laughs> um he's matt moore he covers the nba over at the action network you can check out his writing and analysis over at actionnetwork.com matt thanks again uh for coming on we really appreciate it anytime guys and i'm looking forward to a very weird heat season <laughs> Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.